And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. Acts chapter 6 verse 10, I'll read verse 10 to 15, it reads, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke. Verse 11 says, Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stood up the people and the elders and the scribes and came, came upon him and caught him. And brought him to the council and set him up, sorry, and set up false witnesses which said, This man, which is Stephen, ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered. <laughs> and all that sat in the council. Looking steadfastly on Stephen, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Isn't that a blessing? God still reaching out to them. Amen? Trying to confirm and show them that, hey, Stephen is right. You don't have revelation knowledge on the letter. Change your mind, change your heart. But how many of you would agree that religious people are not interested in the truth? <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Let me say that again. Religious people are not interested in the truth. Religious people are interested in being right. Let me say that again. Religious people, I think that's the topic of our discussion this morning. Religious people are not interested in the truth. They are interested in being right. And they're never right because they don't have revelation knowledge on the scripture. Amen. The Bible talks about the letter and the spirit. The Bible says the letter, which is the law, killeth. But the spirit gives life. Revelation knowledge and the written word gives life. The letter, which is having the veil of Moses, just the Old Testament, without proper interpretation, the Bible says it kills. But revelation knowledge on the letter by the Holy Spirit, it brings life. And that's what we see happening here. We see a man who was radically transformed by God, Stephen, and moved on, embraced the new principles, embraced the Holy Spirit, the new covenant. And we see some men who got stuck in traditions, religious people, Old Testament minded. They would not open up, open up, because it's not about the truth. They are not seeking the truth, brothers and sisters. They are seeking to be right. You know, unfortunately, that's where we are today, most of us, most Christians. It's sad. We can relate to this. Amen? There is something about us. We've got to be right. That ego. And when that ego gets hurt, bam, we take it personal. <laughs> and that's what happens here. When you take things personal, this is about the gospel and about loving God and loving people and, and, and sharing the word. It's not about you being right or somebody being wrong. It's about having the right heart. Amen. So God can flow through so you can so people can be served properly. So last week, I, I thank those of you who came to me last week and said, we are becoming increasingly aware of the importance of not just dabbling in God's word. These are the days we cannot dabble in God's word. 
But you said we are committing to become serious students of God's word. And that's what we need in these last days. We need people who are serious students or students <laughs> of God's word. Not just dabblers. Dabblers don't commit. Dabblers never get revelation knowledge. Because revelation knowledge takes time and effort. The Bible did say in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Hmm? And verse 8 says, in case you believe that you will seek and not find, verse 6, it says, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, find. And everyone who what? Knocks, the door will be open. Is the Bible right or the Bible right? So if you say you've sat and you haven't found, then I have to believe God. Because if I believe you, we both will be wrong. Tell somebody, always stay with the scripture. Say that again. Always stay with the scripture. Always stay with the scripture. Yeah, it is very safe to do that. It is safe. Always agree with God. Oh, well, let me move on here. Always agree with God. So quickly, let me move forward. Last week we said Stephen anointed to serve beyond the pantry. He started in the pantry, but there was a higher calling on Stephen's life. Amen. And Stephen did behind closed doors what God said God says when your father who sees you in secret labor you don't have to labor in people's present when the time is ready God will pluck you out are you with me and God saw Stephen laboring in the word going to the temple day after night day after night or day after day <laughs> amen like you see, like he sees many of us doing the very same thing doing what John chapter 8 verse 31 says John chapter 8 verse 31 says if you are my disciples, how many of you, you know what I found out in Christendom? Not many of us are interested in arriving at disciple status. Not many of us are interested in becoming disciples. Oh, we, want, we just want to get saved. Get fire insurance. But becoming a disciple, uh, I'm submitting to a process. Mm? Such as... Uh, if you are my disciple, you will continue into my word. And when you continue, then you're going to run into truth. Not a lot. Disciples run into truth. Since dabblers don't run into truth. I'm saying that because in this current generation, you know what's happening. I'm saying dabblers don't run into truth. Serious students of God's word run into truth. Dabblers never get free. Because it's only when you run into truth you get free. And so if you double, you will not get free. And when I say free, not free to do whatever you want. Are you with me, saints? But free from our hang-ups. Free to love you even if we disagree. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? Just free... Free not to take anything personal. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? And so we saw, quickly, I'm just reviewing, we saw what he did. First Peter, Second Peter 3.18 says, To grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. We said that, right? That's what Stephen did. He grew in grace and in the knowledge. How many of you would agree that you never see a tree grow literally? You, you, ne you never see that. It, you never see a tree just stand there, look at a tree, and it grows in front of you. Never happens. You never see that happen to your kid, right? 
But it does happen. It happens when you are not aware of it. And that's what Stephen did when nobody was looking. He grew in grace. And since I'm submitting to you this morning, make it your life's mission to grow in grace and in the knowledge. When I say grace, I'm talking about favor with God and men. Let me share this with you. I found out too that many people have favor with God but not with humans. Let me say it again. Many people have favor with God but not with human beings. The Bible says you and I, we have a responsibility to conduct ourselves among the brethren so we can have favor with the brethren. Because if you don't have favor with people, you don't have their ears and their heart. You're just wasting your time. The very people you have to minister to, you have no love and heart for them. You don't have favor with people. So we have to conduct our... Stephen grew in grace and knowledge. Not only knowledge, knowledge and not having the opportunity to pass it on or to share it is a waste of time. He was a nice guy, like Jesus. He was anointed above all with the oil of gladness. Hmm? And in these days, we have to become nice because the devil is putting, the devil is putting barricades. <laughs> Wherever we try to minister, the devil is fighting us. There are so many laws put in place to <laughs> prevent the gospel from being preached. So therefore, you and I have no choice but to be nice. Some of us still haven't gotten that. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? Not Stephen. Scripture tells us, not only did he grow in grace, he was mighty in the Lord. Ephesians 16, another verse we looked at. Be strong in the Lord, and in what? The power of his might. I'm moving, just give me five minutes, because some of you mentioned to me, and some people called and said, about this was this, this particular sermon we we. we that was preached last week, really, really resonated with them. He was strong in the Lord, not strong in himself. Strong in the Lord, in the Lord's word, and in the power of God's might. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? What a blessing. That is why the Bible says in verse 8, he was able to do wonders and miracles and signs. Not everybody believes in wonders, miracles, and signs today. Amen? But I will tell you, the Bible says God used signs and wonders to confirm the preaching of the apostles. You know if that was one of the criterias today for a minister to follow, very few of us would show up. Very few. The Bible says God used the signs and wonders to confirm the works of the apostles. Some preachers don't believe in signs and wonders. <laughs> That's what God used to confirm, to authenticate them. Today, we don't care about that. Amen? Give us opinions and so on, so on and so forth, you know? That's why we are where we are today. Glory be to God. And so, verse 10 says they could not resist his wisdom, and we dealt adequately with that. We said last week, the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. You remember we said that? We also said preparation, preparation and purpose is key to being used mightily by God. Preparation on purpose is key. That's, that's what Stephen did. He prepared preparation and purpose.
is, being, is, is, is the key to being used by God. And I said last week, I'm going to say it again. Many of you, you feel that prompting, you feel that nudge, but we are still ignoring it. Preparation and purpose. And so we are told, the men who formed the alliance from these five synagogues were unable to defeat Stephen, so they resorted to another strategy outlined for us in verse 11. Let's read verse 11 quickly. Let's look at the strategy. So they first met with him. They argued. They lost. I said last week, keep that in mind. The Apostle Paul, we are not sure, but the Apostle Paul, before he was changed to Paul, he was called Saul. And one of the synagogues, hmm, in alliance with the five others, was the synagogue from Tarsus. So possibly Paul was part of the guys who agreed with Stephen, but because he was not Paul as yet, he was still Saul, Peter defeated him. Not Peter. Stephen. Amen? Keep that, when you keep that in mind, I'm going to make a point later. Praise the Lord. At the time he was Saul. For that matter, you'll see later, all the guys, they took off their coat and placed it at the feet of Saul's feet when they stoned Stephen. So he was right there. When the mob was stirred up with the elders, he was right there affirming everything they did like I'm the boss, I'm in charge. I won't leave to stone, but I'm encouraging. <laughs> oh, glory be to Jesus. So, most likely he was part of that discussion, got defeated. Amen? This is what the Bible says, brothers and sisters. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, before I get into the text, I want to show you this right here. I referred to it earlier on. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, God... Who also, well, he didn't say God, it means who here is a pronoun referring to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament? God is the one who made us able ministers of the New Testament. Amen. Not of the letter. God makes us able ministers, and I'm not talking about preachers. We are all called to the ministry of reconciliation. God is the one who can make you and I able ministers of the new covenant, new testament, not of the letter. The law is called the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth. That's what the Bible says about the law. The law in itself kills. The law says the, the, law says the soul that sinneth shall what? Die. There is no forgiveness under the law. The letter killeth. I don't know why some people still want to be under the law. But the spirit of God gives life. Amen. The new testament. The new covenant. Praise God. Now let's get into verse 11. The, uh, so this is their strategy. They failed. They resorted to this strategy. Then they suborned men which said we have heard him. We have heard these men. They suborned, said, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. The word suborned here means, sometimes it, uses, it, it, it means to suggest to whisper as a prompter. So, this is what happened. Oh, let, before I get further, let me give the definition according to dictionary.com. According to dictionary.com, the word suborned means to bribe or induce someone unlawfully or secretly to perform some misdeed or to commit a crime. So the members of the five synagogues 
obtained secretly some men to slander Stephen. That's what suburbed means. How many of your people still do that nowadays? They hire people, pay people and tell them what to say. Just to slander somebody. Just to do some misdeed. And people will fall for that. I tell you, it's so sad. Reading this particular text really saddened me because to sit next and I, you know, it's, it's, it's church people. <laughs> it's church people. God is telling us about some church people are stuck in the Old Testament. Some are not. Some have moved on. I mean, isn't that sad? To the extent people who believe in God would hire and pay somebody else to slander Someone who seems to have more revelation knowledge than they do. So they selected and instructed bogus observers to blame Stephen. And what did they say? This, they said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against the Lord. Doesn't this sound familiar? This is the very same thing. Wasn't that the very same lame attempt they tried on Jesus? In Matthew, let's go to Matthew chapter 20, 26, verse 59 to 31. Matthew 26, 59 to 31. Verse 59 reads, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council, you see the same names, the same group of people, same names keep coming up. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false, sought what? False witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. But found none. Yes, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. They must have doubled their pay. <laughs> and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Totally misunderstood Jesus. Had no revelation knowledge that Jesus was talking about this temple. Another temple that was built of Herod. Jesus was talking about the temple of his body. But when you are not interested in truth, you, you overlook these things. Your heart is hardened. Mm, God cannot reach you and talk to you because you have personal agendas. Hidden motives. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? Uh, so, so now, now, now the reason why I brought this, the reason I brought Jesus is what happened to Jesus to show that this has been going on for a long time is because I want to show you there is one person that was behind. There is one person, hold on since, let me get this correct. There is one person who stood up the elders and the chief priests against Jesus. And that's the same person who stood up. The men from the synagogue and that individual is the devil. I want to expose him this morning. Sometimes we read and just move on. But let me tell you, don't you ever overlook the devil. He's the one, he's the mastermind behind all the mayhem, all the hatred, all the division, all the fighting, all the misunderstanding. He's the one behind that and he's hidden and nobody's pointing him out. We are, we are attacking one another. Are you with me, saints? And not realizing that we are, we are given over to the devil. 
and listening to his whispers. We have to be, we have to be very careful. He's the devil. Look, there is no sense, listen to me, there is no telling what the devil can motivate someone to do when they get hurt. Are you with me? These men, they took it personal, that debate, that loss. You see, the thing is, when you think you know, and you've been proven not to know, then if you're not careful and say, look, I didn't know, let me humble myself. And let me go seek knowledge. If you take it personal, then you just open up yourself for the devil to use you. And that's what happened to these men from the synagogue. They became, they became pawns in the devil's hand. And so we must be careful, we must be vigilant, lest the devil takes advantage of us. These men, as I said, were not necessarily Stephen's enemy. They, had a, they just had a discussion. They just met and spoke. <laughs> but they took it personally, man. <laughs> and so the text says, the men were hired, the false, witnesses, the false witnesses were trained to say by those who hired them that they heard Stephen speak blasphemous words. I'm getting to a point here. Because I want to show you the devil's, the devil's motive. And that's always been his motive. Notice this right here. We have heard him speak blasphemous words against, who did they first mention? Not even God. <laughs> Isn't that something? Not, this is not about God. This is about Moses. The first person that mentioned was Moses, not even God. They said they're speaking blasphemy against Moses. Why not God first? Because God is not in their hearts. They are not interested in being godly. It is sad, but it does happen. They were more zealous for the law that they mentioned Moses first before God. Now, now, now blasphemy, I want to show you this blasphemy, and I'm going down the line, I want you to stay with me. I told you who was whispering to these guys, the devil. He's the one behind that. Now, notice what he's prompted them to accuse Stephen of. Prompted, prompted them to accuse Stephen of blasphemy. Now notice right in, Levi, in Leviticus chapter 24 verse 16. Let us look at the punishment for blasphemy. Leviticus 24 16. Leviticus chapter 24 verse 16. <laughs> What's the punishment for blasphemy? And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be what? That's what the devil is after sins. Always looking to prompt somebody to kill somebody. That, that, that's his, John 10, 10 tells us, that's what he came to do. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's after, and that's what he's trying us to get to do to one another. Destroy one another. Kill, if we don't kill, undermine one another. Oh, now you get what I'm saying? If we don't undermine, well, <laughs> the, the <laughs> I want you to keep your eyes open, since keep your eyes open. Because the devil, if we're not careful, will get us to do things that we never thought we would do. Why prompt people to kill an innocent man? Stephen, did he have a wife? We are not told. Did he have... Was he a father? We are not told. But this we know, he had a mother and a father. 
<laughs> so we got to be very careful. Every time I read this, it, I take it personal because I remembered at 11 years old, I was accosted on my way to church. My family, my mother, my brother, my sister, and myself, three of us, I was 11. Brother was nine, sister about five or six years old, on our way to church one Sunday morning and was accosted by five men. You see, we were from a village and the predominant religion in that village was Catholicism. And they came up to us. I had my Bible. I was, so, I was scared because we were the only ones in the village who were Christians. And they came up to us and said, what's in that paper bag? All of them had stones in their hands. And I was so scared. I was shocked. But I heard a word that came to my mind and it just came out of my mouth. The guy said, what do you have in that Bible? What do you have in that paper bag? And um, I said, uh, bread. I had a Bible in the paper bag. If I said it was a Bible, you would be stoned to death. And I said, bread. I didn't even know. I think I said, I told, somebody, I told someone that uh, I think a couple, yes, a couple of weeks ago, and the person said, you were in the spirit. Because the Bible, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Are you, thinking, are you getting what I'm saying? God puts words in people's mouth so he can be glorified. But, 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 but that is why since whenever I, whenever I teach this particular text, I, it, really, it really touches my heart. Because this type of persecution is very prevalent in third world countries. Very prevalent. You know, I've heard some spiritual leaders say, if God doesn't judge America... He has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, it's because they've only lived in America. You see, they haven't lived in any third world country. And, 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 I, can, and I can hear the naivety in their voices. Because they haven't lived. You put them in one of these third world countries for one month and they'll be begging to come back here. Look, ask me. I've lived out there and I'm living here now. You see, they don't look at the big picture. They look at one or two sins. And they don't look at the devil uses humanity to perpetrate heinous acts upon one another worldwide. They, they have not lived in places where corruption is deeply embedded in the government. Where people begin just, just for mentioning Jesus, people will take a machete and swing at you. And walk away like it's fun. You cannot call the cops. You cannot call nobody. And you're talking about if God. <laughs> You've never come with a Bible and somebody pull out a machete. When you do, then you have the right to say that. But until then, I submit that you remain quiet. And government. The, these are totalitarian regimes where they have people specifically, strategically positioned amongst you. So if you say anything against the government, your remains will be when the bush decapitated. I'm telling you what I know. So when you say, if God doesn't judge America, he has to be, he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Who was in Sodom and Gomorrah? A bunch of thugs and rugrats. Who was in? Listen to me. If God has to apologize, he has to apologize to Jesus. 
if God has to do any apologizing, he has to apologize to Jesus because First John 2, 2 tells us Jesus is the propitiation. He's the sin offering. Yeah, he's the sin offering who satisfy God's anger. So if any apology has to be made, it's to Jesus, not to Sodom, who what, Gomorrah? And so you hear the naive, you hear that, and I quake when I hear that, because I'm saying these people, they haven't lived anywhere but in the United States, and they can express them. When you live in a place where you cannot, ex where you cannot express yourself, and if you do your head, you lose your head, then you can talk like that. Anyhow. Can you go to 1 John 2 to And he, Jesus, not Solomon Gomorrah. Jesus is the what? The propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Jesus is. The word propitiation, I did some research. This is what it means. It denotes the act of appeasing the angered gods. The propitiation which averts their wrath and thus repairs the relationship. That's what Jesus did. Jesus' death appeased God's wrath. Are you with me since? Old Testament, Psalm 7 verse 11. God is angry with the wicked every day. New Testament, because Jesus appeased God, the Bible says in uh, John chapter 3 verse 7. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him. Yeah. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, I, I knew the verse. It just slept me. It, Romans, you got to go to it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. I knew the verse. It says, but God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ, while we were what? Yet sinners. Who died? Nobody in Solomon Gomorrah died. You apologize to Jesus. If, if God has to do that. But you know God will never. You know God's anger has been placed on Jesus. God is in a good mood. God is not angry as you hear some of us preachers saying, amen. He's in a good mood because he took his anger and he placed it on Jesus. He took the sins of the entire world and he placed it on Jesus. That is why he is the propitiation for our sins. Are you with me? So when you hear people say, if God doesn't judge America, God has judged Jesus already. Are you with me? He doesn't need to judge America. Now the Bible says your sins will find you out. And sins are finding out people. Are you getting what I'm saying? Let me move on here. But you know, I read this and I get very, I get very emotional because, because I can identify with this right here. A young man we, about to lose his life just for teaching and preaching the gospel. A young man who spent time targeted by the devil. Since you get biblically literate, let me slow down. You get biblically literate and you become a target for hell. Try it. Just try immerse in the process and see what happens. Give yourself five years and see what you'll become a target for hell. And that's what and that's what we see happening here. John chapter eight. There is a bitter discussion that's going between Jesus and the people in John chapter eight. A very bitter discussion. Now, don't you allow the politeness of the English of the. Uh, <laughs> Don't you allow the politeness of the King James Version to distract from the acute discussion that's given to us here. Jesus is talking to the people, the same people. You go to John chapter 8 verse 39. And this is what he told the people about the devil. 
I want you to keep in mind what's going on. It doesn't just happen. There's a reason. There is a devil behind what's going on. And God is trying to bring that to the attention. In John chapter 8 verse 39, they answered and said unto him, Jesus, they're having a discussion. Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if Abraham was your father, you would do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me. What, what are they trying to do? Who came to steal, kill, and destroy? Who is behind that? But they cannot see that. They are blinded. And so the devil, and so the Bible says, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not, this did Abra, this did not Abraham. Abraham did not try to stone any real body because of the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. Jesus, says, Jesus said to them, you do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we born not of what? You know what they mean? They're telling Jesus, Joseph is not your father. Mary had you with somebody else. That's what they're telling Jesus. They tell, they're telling Jesus, we know when you went to Elizabeth, you were not pregnant. When you came back, you were pregnant. And it's been, in, people in the village are talking about it. You see how these people, they take things personal. Because they are religious people. They attack you. Because they have no substance. Don't you overlook the acute discussion given to us. They, they, are now, they, move, they are now move from discussing the Bible to attacking somebody personally. Trying to discredit him. And they said, we are not born of fornication. Look, it doesn't matter whether you're not you're born, whether you're born in wedlock or not. You're born, period. <laughs> Timothy wasn't born in wedlock. Timothy, his mother was a Jew. They were not married. So don't you feel something wrong with you? Are you with me? When we were growing up, we had people talk bastards and that's just. Men, the Bible, God says all souls are mines. And so that's what people, you see people who do that, they read the Bible and try to do, let me move on here, let me, let me move on. We have one father, even God, they said. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because, even because you cannot hear my word, you are of your home. Anybody who talks about death, want to take somebody out, attacking people personally, they're motivated by the devil. You of the father, the devil, and the lust of your father, lust is uncontrolled passion, you will do. He was a what? A murderer from the beginning. In other words, he's the one who persuaded Ken to kill Abel. Why? Because Ken couldn't have his way. You see, folks who cannot have their way, they are ripe to be used by the devil. They are right in the devil's hand. And they will do anything. To attack people who they think are their opponent. And not realize we have one enemy. And that's whom? One enemy, and that's the devil. Amen? 
Notice what happened in the next verse. Because the people's focus was not on God. That's what happened when your focus is not on God. Let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, back to Acts chapter 6 verse 12. Sorry about that uh, extended discussion. <laughs> Acts chapter 6 verse 12. And they stirred up the people. Notice when your focus is not on God, you can get swept up in anything. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. The men from the five synagogues, they stood up to stir, to arouse, to get people emotionally inflamed. Hmm? Not only were the people stirred up, but who else? Elders, you have leaders involved in that. Elders and scribes. Jesus is arch enemies. The mob came up on Stephen and caught him. The word caught means to violently seize and keep a firm hold on. So some of them caught him by, his, by the back of his shirt. Some caught him in his hands and they just carried him off. Why? He hasn't done no evil. And I'm saying that brothers and sisters because if there comes a day when you see that's happening in the United States, know for sure that's of the devil. Somebody's got to open their mouth and say something. And brought here means they dragged him to the council. The council is here is the Sanhedrin, the same authorities who harassed the apostles. I want you to notice that these men from the five synagogues, listen to me brother, I need you, I need you to get this last point I'm going to make. Get this right here. These men from the five synagogues, they knew the power of having favor with the people. They knew the in favor with the people. Let me share something with you since. We, the people, we have power. We are not even aware of it. They couldn't on Stephen on his own. They had to mobilize and get the crowd involved. You remember that? You, you, well, let me, let, me, let me go here. And, um, Acts chapter 2 verse 47. Let's read Acts chapter 2 verse 47. Let's see how important favor with the people is. People have power. We just do not know it. Let us come together and see what will happen. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says, Praising God and having what? Favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. They had what? Favor with the people. Acts chapter 5 verse 26. Quickly, Acts chapter 5 verse 26. It says, then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence. It's talking about the apostles. Amen. They brought them without violence. That's Peter and James and John, the apostles. For they feared whom? The people, the people, the people, the people. Leaders know how powerful people are. No, we do not know that. We just sit around. But they talk. They, they kept saying, if we don't have the favor of the people, we cannot kill him. The people died. God knew about it. God knew. And he knows how powerful people are when they come together. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 11, the people were talking about building. They talk about building uh, the, a tower. God was in heaven doing nothing. Then they started building. And the Bible said to come down and see what they were doing. And God said, the people are. When people get united, they are a formidable force. A formidable force, sorry. To reckon with. Are you with me? And we need to know that. That's why the devil never wants us to come together. So the leaders are aware that they need people. They cannot do anything until the people agree with them. And so they stood up the crowd. 
But somebody needs to be wise and realize that's not of God. Saints, where are the saints of, the, of Revelation chapter Revelation chapter 1? The Bible says this in Ephesus. They were so biblically, they were so biblically, biblically literate, they found those who call themselves apostles who were not. Where, where are these people? Where are these people in the crowd who say, hey, that is not of God. You cannot kill an innocent man. Hey, I'm not going to partake in that. Let's stop it. We have the people who will be on God's side and be objective and say, what you're doing is wrong. You are in error. And not sit by and let evil prevail. The Bible says that the sins in Ephesus, is it Ephesus? In Revelation chapter 2, it says that they were so biblically literate that some folks went around walking around calling themselves apostles and they found them not because they knew the Bible. Are you getting what I'm saying? They, were, they proved them wrong. Where are these people who stand up huh, and will not be swept away with the crowd? Leaders know people are powerful when they come together. The people do not know they are powerful when they come together. The people together have a lot of power. Amen? As I said, we just, for some reason, we do not, we do not, not that we don't know it, but for some reason we are so busy doing other things. This is what I want to share with you before I close. Popular opinion, while, you hear me carefully, now while people are powerful, we have to be very careful with popular opinion. Because popular opinion can sway to the left one day and sway to the right the next day. These were the same people who were praising the apostles and telling, the, you know, praising God and saying, get a good job. These same people turn right back. Yeah, they did Jesus the very same way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Thank God for We have to be very careful with popular opinions. Hmm? The crowds that praise Jesus soon call for his crucifixion. The crowds that love the apostles we just saw cry out against Stephen. And this is my point. I say this to say that. That is why the church, the church's direction and focal point should not be modeled after popular opinion. Let me say that again. What did I say? I said the church's direction and focal point should not be modeled after popular opinion. It should not be modeled after what's in vogue. Hmm? Crowds are fickle. So it should not be modeled, but it should be modeled on God's eternal word. Our lives should be governed by God's eternal word. And there will be no vacillating. There will be no double standards. Since we have to get to the point where we begin to trust God. With our lives and not take things in our own hands. It less stress, less disappointment, less heartache, less hurts. Trust God. The Bible said, God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Jeremiah 29 11. The reason why God is the one who has the thoughts, the reason why God has the thoughts is because we don't have them. Psalms 139 says, God's thoughts for you equals the numbers on the number of hairs on your head. Have you and I ever taken the time to find out what 
think just one thought of God towards us. Have you and have we ever taken the time and said, God, what do you think of me? All of all the thoughts you have for me. Your thoughts for me equals the sum of the numbers on my hair. Can you tell me one thing you have for me? <laughs> oh, glory be to Jesus. I need you to think about these things. Especially as we are living in a time where it seems like, are we all in or not? Hmm? It seems like our foundation has been shaken. Hmm? Some things we must be sure about. Amen? Let me move quickly. I got one. How many times have I said that I got one more? Just. <laughs> Verses. Verse. 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 Um, 13 to 14 say and they set up false witnesses and said this man now they're going to elaborate on the on the false witness that they gave this doth not to speak blasphemous words against now they say in this holy place the temple and the law for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us <laughs> Jesus said he didn't come to what he said he came to fulfill the law he said not one jot or any tittle would be taken out he came to fulfill it but they were so bent on a law and Moses you know they worship Moses that they missed God and not realize they were on the same side this is what Paul said about people who are rooted in Old Testament belief and they haven't crossed over Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. Let's read Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15. Paul said this about the Judaizers and the men who were from the five synagogues. He said, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ there is a blindness you see the Old Testament was read every Saturday in the synagogues well it was just read and not not really elaborated upon the new because the new covenant was not yet initiated and so all we had was what the old covenant they don't realize that the new covenant is the Old Testament concealed and the Old Testament is the New Testament the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed they didn't realize that and so the Bible says that there is a veil if you don't understand that there is a veil if you don't understand that the types and shadows in the Old Testament all pointed towards Jesus and they were not the substance in and of themselves Jesus is the substance these were the types and shadows then if you don't understand that you're going to miss the prescripture and you're going to take things personal. When you come across somebody who understands the grace of God and understand how the new covenant and the Old Testament work together, then you're going to take things personal. And he said, he said, verse 15, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Isn't that sad? 
New, New Testament, Paul is saying that. Paul encountered the very same thing that some of us encounter, encountering today. Some people just won't change. Because they believe, and let me tell you why, saints. Let me tell you how, let me tell you how subtle that can be. Let me tell you how subtle. If you believe that salvation, you can get right with God. Let me, I'm, I'm trying to phrase it easy. If you believe that you can get right with God without Jesus only, if you believe works has to justify you, then you've got a problem. If you believe it's Jesus plus, you see, they believe it was Jesus plus the Old Testament laws. And are you with me? But no, it's Jesus only. And if you believe, and hear me very carefully, saints, let me, if you believe, saints, and I'm not saying I'm going to say some things that might, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And hear me carefully because I was like that. And I can say it because I have left. I haven't arrived. I, there was once I thought all my fasting and all my praying mattered to God. Oh, it made me stronger than other Christians. Made me more spiritual. All my speaking in tongues. Now, hear me. Is praying good? Yes. Is speaking in tongues good? Yes. Is fasting good? Yes. But when you see it as giving you an upper hand and giving you an advantage over people, then you're wrong because it's Jesus only. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? It's Jesus only. Does your praying soften your heart towards God? Yes. Does your fasting make you more sensitive? Yes. But it doesn't give you an advantage over people. For that matter, what it should do is should give your heart to serve people, to be more sensitive to the needs, to make you more uh, available to be used by God. That is what it should do. But if you, but if you have in your mind, like I it did when I was a Pentecostal, there was once I was a Pentecostal, now I'm a Christian. I'm, share, I'm sharing you, I'm, sh I'm sharing with you, <laughs> and, and, I just want you to, I want you to get this right here, because I do not want you to be religious. It's a dangerous thing to be religious. Uh, when you're religious, God cannot use you. You cannot, God cannot use you. God is in the people's business. Religious people are not in the people's business. They are not. Because I was one. I knew that. Sorry. I, I, know, I know about religion. I was brought up <laughs> religious. And when you're religious, there are some concepts in the Bible your heart just cannot embrace. The concept of the grace of God and the goodness of God and the kindness of God. Your heart, it eclipses your heart. You'll, just, you'll, be, <laughs> you'll be in a whirlwind like, what, what's going on? What's... Oh God, we thank you. We thank you. We bless your name. Glorify your name. And so, I wanted to take some time to go through these so you can understand. Because as I said, this particular text means a lot to me i can identify with what stephen uh 
at first went through. Amen. Not the stoning. God forbid, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Because there are still Christians today who have been stoned and they lose their life. Amen. I said something on Wednesday and I promise after that I'm done. Amen. I said something on Wednesday that I don't want you, for, I don't want you to forget. A lot of matters. A lot of people give their life for Christ. For the gospel. And heaven seemed to be quiet. There is a day coming when heaven will be quiet no more. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a day coming when heaven will be quiet no more. Revelation chapter 15 and Revelation chapter 16 talks about the vials of the wrath of God. There is a day when God coming beneath the altar. They are now. There are people who were beheaded and martyred for the gospel, begging God to take revenge, vengeance for them. Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 7. Are you with me, saints? There are people died, husbands, mothers, kids, beneath the altar, begging God to take revenge. And one day, God is going to come out and pour the vial. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I feel led to pray for everyone who's, who's lost a loved one because of the gospel. The many out there who are hurting, let me share with you, God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. Glory be to Jesus. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should repent and embrace eternal life. And so, Father, we thank you for your patience. I lift up anyone right now who's lost a loved one because they stood up for the gospel. Father, I pray your strength. I pray your encouragement in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. I pray for anyone in here, Father, who's hurting. Glory be to Jesus. Lord, I pray especially for those of us who are discouraged because of not met many of us believed you in the past and for some reason it appears that you didn't come through I pray that you enlighten us I pray that you give us wisdom give us understanding let us realize that your word decrees and declares that in you all the promises are yes and amen it is not you father it's us so we ask you to give us wisdom give us understanding enlighten us I pray in the name of Jesus Christ so we can arise and worship you father you are good god you're a holy god allow us not to live in our emotions oh god but allow us to live based on your word we give you the praise glory and honor in jesus name Please take time to meditate on the Word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the Word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. 
Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com, or call the church, 850-408-8496.